What's up, college football fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Saturday Six Podcast. I'm your host, AJ, here with my brother, Tyler. It's episode 32, and we're back to recap week four of the college football season. What was just an incredible slate of college football games. A lot of these lived up to the hype. Happy to be here. Happy to be recapping these games with you. What's going on, man? Woo, what a weekend, man. Four out of these six games were incredible to watch. I mean, there was magic happening everywhere. Yeah, we had good ones. We had that Ohio State-Notre Dame game went right down to the wire. Florida State survives Clemson. We're going to touch on all of those. Before we get to it, though, just want to remind you guys, if you're not already, give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at Saturday6Pod. We appreciate that. Also, if you would, please, most importantly, just share the podcast with somebody. Let them know that you listened to it and that it was okay. And remind them, if they listen to it, to go ahead and give us a rating or a review on their podcast platform. So we appreciate that if you are doing it. And without further ado, we will get into our picks from last week. All right, so that first game that we picked, we were both on the same side. We said Florida State going on the road to Clemson. They just had too much talent. They were going to be able to cover that small two-and-a-half-point spread. And we watched this one together. We were sweating it in the first half because Clemson came out pretty hot. You know, they start with a 10-0 lead. But in the end, Jordan Travis and the Knowles are able to battle back. They force overtime. And in the end, the Knowles are able to win that one in overtime, 31 to 24 is the final score. I was kind of impressed with Clemson. I, I expected them to uh, get bounced in the second half. You thought it would be closer. Um, explain why you were right on that one. Yeah, I mean, I think I touched on it a little bit. Uh, we were look. I was looking for Will Shipley to be kind of that focal point in the Clemson offense, and he was. I don't know how many times we heard the commentators uh, <laughs> compare him to Christian McCaffrey because right. – White boy running back, we get it. Yeah. Um, but the dude can catch out of the backfield, and he's he does have a pretty similar skill set there. Um, and it kept Clemson in there. Overtime, wild. I mean, when you need it the most, you go to your your best player, right? And Jordan Travis threw the ball up to Keon Coleman, who made an incredible 50-50 ball, a uh, little fade down the sideline. And yep. was able to come up with it for a touchdown. And then FSU's defense was just able to hang in there just long enough to hold off Clemson. Much closer game than uh, you were predicting, but it was a very good game, too. This is a very well-matched team. And I think this is the first time that Florida State has beaten Clemson in like a decade. So that's also oh. cool to see. Yeah, it's been a long time for the Knowles and Clemson falling to two and two to start the year. Definitely not what I expected. Definitely not what Tiger fans expected. So I'm um, really just a, a really tough start to the season for the Tigers, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. But they've got time. Dabo's, you know, if anybody's going to be the head coach to get them to turn it around, Dabo's one of those guys that can certainly do it. All right, so your playoff team, your playoff pick to begin the season, the Knowles are still undefeated, 4-0. They'll look to keep that momentum going. Another game that we picked last week was in the Pac-12 and a lot of hype around one of these teams, and that team lost by 30-plus points. <laughs> Talking 19 in the country. Colorado did not look like a top 25 team against number 10 Oregon. It was just ducks all day long. They were big favorites, and I told you this one was not going to be pretty. You picked Colorado to cover, 
and that was just never going to happen. Final score, 42-6. to Like I predicted, that Oregon defense got after Shador Sanders. They sacked him seven times. So with or without Travis Hunter, like he wasn't going to play offensive line in this game, whether he was playing or not. And uh, that that proved to be uh, really tough for them to overcome. Big win for Dan Lanning, Bo Nix and company. Would you you get out of this Oregon-Colorado game? Yeah, I think you you touched on it last podcast. Bo Nix is gonna have kind of like his his game to put his Heisman resume out there, and he did exactly that. He looked very good. He was very efficient, very smart with the ball. And then, I mean, I don't know who I think it was number four for uh, Colorado's defensive secondary. He was getting freaking cooked all game long, dude. I'm pretty sure that's where Travis Hunter normally is when he's in the game. Number four is getting freaking cooked, man. Um, and then yeah, I I thought that Colorado could score some points, but when you have a bunch of toddlers playing offensive line for you <laughs> against a, a Pac-12 defense, yeah. it's not going to work yeah. out like that. And I mean, it was freaking ugly, man. They have no offensive line shooter. Sanders was running for his life. Yeah, tough to see if you're uh, jumped on this Colorado hype train. They got another tough matchup next week against USC. Now, USC can't play defense like Oregon can, but they can definitely score points, maybe even better than Oregon can. So it'll be interesting to watch those two teams going forward. And Oregon looks like a serious contender out there in the Pac-12, don't you think? Most definitely. All right, let's head to the SEC, a game that we were on opposite sides for. We had Ole Miss going on the road against Bama. Bama was favored by a touchdown, and you weren't too confident about it, but I think I kind of nudged you into taking Ole Miss straight up here. In the end, a really, really big defensive game. You know, you see Jalen Milrow play for Alabama and uh, kind of take over the reins again here for for the uh, Tide, but final score is 24-10 to 10 here. Ole Miss was really neat never able to get anything going against this Alabama defense. I think that was the most impressive thing for me is that amid this quarterback controversy and uncertainty for the Tide, their defense is what stepped up at home against Ole Miss. Yeah, that's what it is. I mean, Bama's offense still sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Their their defense really stepped up. I think you were correct. This was a a much more run-heavy Alabama offense than we had seen the first couple of weeks, which – helped them out but I mean this is still shaky if Ole Miss plays a better game and I think that they are capable of playing a better game I think it's a little bit closer um but the score reflects what the score reflects ball don't lie so I'm gonna take an L on this one uh Ole Miss isn't out of it but they gotta figure something out right yeah they they weren't able to get Judkins the running back going you know he only ran for about four yards a clip and then you know, Dart obviously throws the interception, wasn't super efficient. He was sacked five times. So Dallas Turner in that Alabama front seven is able to kind of get after him and make him uncomfortable. And then Alabama, like you said, able to establish the run game. I didn't hit on that Roy Dell Williams over. You know, you, you threw that 75 at me in the last podcast because it was McClellan that really took over for the backs there. He was able to rush for over 100 yards and a touchdown. So um, impressive to see the tide bounce back. I think, um, you know, still a lot to work on, obviously, especially on that offensive side of the ball, like you said. But uh, a big win to move to 3-1 and one on the season for Alabama and Nick Saban. All right, let's head to the Pac-12. We had a game that not a lot of people were talking about going into it. 
And I, I thought it could be a good matchup. You know, you have two top 25 teams in UCLA and Utah going at it here. And they were both undefeated going into it. Low spread, should be a good game. And again, another another good defensive battle here. You see on the very first play on offense for UCLA, their freshman quarterback, Dante Moore, throws a pick six right to uh, Utah's linebacker. He takes it back to the house and really – that was about all they needed to win this game because UCLA was never really able to figure it out on offense. They only scored seven points total, and the Utes get a big 14-7 to win at home. No cam rising. Nate Johnson did start at quarterback like we thought he might. He didn't look super impressive, but again, with the way that defense played, he didn't really need to. Yeah, this game actually made me take a nap yesterday. It was <laughs> complete... <laughs> Snoozer. If you were gonna if you were gonna nap, this is the one to to do it during. I I, I got a little one in before the later better games came on, um, but yeah, very defensive heavy battle. I I think both of these teams coming away, you know, looking at their inexperienced quarterbacks, inexperienced teams for the most part, come away with a lot that they can improve on, and they will throughout the year. And I think Utah's just lucky to get out of another one before uh, Cam Rising gets back. And hopefully once he gets back, he'll be able to elevate that team just a little bit further. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that because Utah's actually played a decent schedule so far. Like they've played Florida, they've played UCLA, and they're 4-0 without Cam Rising. Now the Pac-12 is tough, right? You got USC, you got Washington, you got Oregon. You know, you're going to play some tough teams here, but – to look that good, especially without rising, the way that that defense is playing, what do you think about Utah heading forward, uh, moving forward in the Pac-12 this year? Yeah, I think I got them like a one-loss conference champion, something like that. Okay, um, yeah. I mean, same as just, the last two years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing is, is like even like better, better with than... him rising, but I'm not giving an undefeated season out to just anybody. Right. I think that they are a beatable team. They are capable of being beat um especially with some of these lower scoring games like this but i mean they've they've got a chance to do something good and another pac-12 championship is nothing to shake a stick at by any means do you like utah better than usc as of right now no because as good as your defense is you're not stopping usc from scoring you know 30 35 points a game and while USC's defense is absolute garbage, I think that they can hold up enough, especially if you don't get Cam Rising back, because we really don't know when he is at this point. Right. What about Oregon? I think Oregon's probably my front runner, as long as whatever game they play, they play at home. Okay. Utah, <laughs> Utah or Washington? I think Washington. Just okay. M- Michael Penning Jr. kind of puts them ahead, ahead of them. The reason I ask that is because you've got Utah as a one-loss conference champion, but they've got USC, Oregon, and Washington in four weeks. Within four weeks of each other, they play all three of those games. So yeah, They uh, lose one. And two of them are one. on the road. They lose one. Okay. But it's a tough it's a tough schedule. They're a good team. I and I, you know, I could definitely see one of one of those only being a loss, but uh tough schedule in the Pac twelve this year. You're also talking to the guy that only got three of these picks right this week. So, <laughs> I mean, what do I know, right? Hey, we're still above 500 on the year. We're cooking. All right, Big Ten action. We had two top 25 teams going at it, and we thought this one would be a snoozer. Thought it would be low scoring. 
I told you less than 40 points combined probably, and that was exactly the case here. Iowa not able to score a single damn point on the road at Penn State. Final score is 31 to nothing, an easy cover for both of us. That's two weeks in a row we've gotten two wins when picking Penn State to cover. Just so hard to watch Iowa play offense. Yeah, it's bad, and P- Penn State does have a good defense. So like, yeah. well, let's give credit to Penn State where credit is due. Um, but I was just bad. They're the they're the bottom teams. We knew that they would be coming into the season. We knew Penn State was up there. They're you know at the least the number three team in the conference, um, really battling out for the number one. It's kind of a three way tie if you want to ask me right now. Yeah. Um, but that whiteout at Penn State night game, that's tough. And, I mean, Penn State was just able to do exactly what I thought they were going to do, which is rely on their double-headed monster of a backfield and really control the pace of play of the game and the time of possession on offense. Yeah. And they were very good at doing that. And then, you know, their quarterback does what you ask him to do when need be. I thought he he did more than that. I mean, it wasn't like super big air yards, but he did have four touchdowns, you know. And then, again, like Catron Allen and Nick Singleton, like you said, they gave him the ball a lot of times, like 38 carries combined, but about three yards per carry between the two of them. So not what you're asking for, though. But three yards a carry, like they were much more explosive last year as freshmen, and this year as sophomores, like they're still getting the ball, like they're super explosive, but they haven't been. So I don't know if you if you turn if you run into a team down the road like an Ohio State, like a Michigan that can score points and keep up with you, they're gonna have to be more explosive on offense if Penn State wants to win those games. But in this one, like we said, Cade McNamara was gonna have to do it by his damn self because he didn't have no help. They were super banged up. He's five of fourteen on the game, only forty-two yards, no touchdowns. It's just uh just absolutely putrid. No running game for Iowa. They they looked really bad on offense. But uh big win for Penn State, uh a win over a top twenty-five team. Like I said, they've got two big matchups down the road against Ohio State and Michigan, so we'll we'll have uh, lots of interest in those two Big Ten games as they come up on the schedule. And then finally, the game that everybody was looking forward to, a top ten matchup going down here. You had number six, the Ohio State Bucks, undefeated. They were going on the road to South Bend to face off against the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, who are sitting at 4-0 going into this game. And we were on, we were flip flopped on this one, right? We had Keyshawn come on the podcast, the picks pod, and we both took the Bucks to cover that field goal. It was right at three. You thought Notre Dame should win this game outright and cover, and it is a push. Ohio State with a miraculous fourth quarter comeback led by quarterback Kyle McCord. They pulled this one out 17 to 14, and It really could have been more than that. I thought Ohio State missed on some opportunities in this game. They had the ball in the red zone a couple of times and didn't come away with points. But uh, in the end, it is a big win for Ryan Day and company. Yeah, this was a load of crap. Notre Dame should have won that game. I'm not even a Notre Dame fan. I'm pissed, dude, because that was their game to win. And in the fourth quarter, when it matters most, your defense crumbles and it hurts. Let me talk about what I'm most mad about, though, because we picked this at minus three on for Ohio State. I got Notre Dame covering three, right? 
Ohio State scores a touchdown to win the game, 16-14. to 14. Seemingly zero seconds left on the clock. Game over. Notre Dame covers. I get to talk crap on this podcast. I'm hype. They lost. You, pick, you picked them to win straight up. Right, but, I mean, <laughs> we pick against the spread, and they were covering the spread. So, you know, it's kind of a win at the same time. Regardless, 16 to 14, Notre Dame's covered the spread. I'm feeling good. After further review, one second left on the game clock. So Ohio State gets to kick the extra point. This is our first push of the season, ladies and gents. It doesn't happen often. And I think we had one, maybe two last year that were pushes, but we do push. I got to disagree with you. I think if you score a touchdown, no matter if that was to win the game or it was just a garbage time touchdown and when the clock's running out, you kick the damn extra point, okay? No. That's what we do after every single touchdown is we kick a ball. I don't know why we have these high-caliber athletes run around for 60 minutes and then let a kicker come on and kick a ball to decide a game. But if that's what we're going to do, that's what we're going to do, damn it. If you score a touchdown, you kick the damn extra point, okay? Whether it's a push or not a cover, I want my extra point. Um, But I got to disagree. I think I don't think Notre Dame, you know, Ohio State gets up 10 to nothing, and then Notre Dame fights back to make it 14 to 10. But like I said, I think there were definitely opportunities in this game where the Buckeyes should have scored more points. I think they probably – easily should have had 24 maybe 27 points in this game to where they don't need that last second comeback obviously Notre Dame they weren't going to let Marvin Harrison Jr. beat them they kind of bracket covered him throughout the day but Agbuka their number two receiver had a big game for them so huge win for the Buckeyes and really now it's just Penn State and Michigan so just two more tests left for them we said Notre Dame probably a four loss team you know preseason looking at the schedule so it was hard to kind of look around this game, one that I picked them to lose in the preseason and say that they would come out and win it, even though they looked impressive so far on the year. But um, you lock this one up. Notre Dame does not get the job done. We end up pushing on this one, first push of the year, as you touched on. But uh, not bad. Four, one, and one for me, and three, two, and one. We're above 500 on the week. We'll take that. It is what it is. Uh, <laughs> Notre Dame should have covered that. Ah, <laughs> uh, you love to see it. Uh, that's it, man. That was our six picks for last week for week four. A great slate of college football. And we'll be back in just a few days to give week five picks against the spread. Looking forward to touching on some good matchups this upcoming week with you. Any final thoughts for the folks? Hit us up on Instagram at Saturday Six Pod. Anywhere that you find your podcast, Apple Music, Spotify, we're all there. Enjoy the rest of your week. And we'll be back again on for sure. Thursday. For my brother Tyler, I am AJ, and this was another episode of the Saturday Six Podcast. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you guys again soon.